all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> this is not COVID. Was that just was just say. me being ridiculous mm-hmm. with my voice. That's all. Like, uh-oh. Nope. No. Nope. We're, we're good. No. For now. Did you take your allergy meds tonight? I did. Okay, yes. good. Yeah. We're getting close to being done with that, I think. The pollen stuff. I hope so. It just needs to fucking rain. Just It did uh, yesterday a little bit. Not, yeah. not enough. Not no. nearly enough. Yeah, you're right. We need like some strong... We need a good downpour. A couple a of bit. them. Yeah. I was uh, walking across the grass to bring the recycling bin back oh, in. Oh, yeah. And you're... Yeah. And all these little flies <laughs> popped mm-hmm. up. I'm guessing they're mayflies. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what a mayfly looks like per se, but... It had six giant, long, spindly little legs. There you go. So, um, follow so, us so Insta Twitter, Facebook, and mayflies, <laughs> and pollen and allergies. Insta Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Um, email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Keep the scripts coming. They've been awesome. And yes, we they have. have. Been so appreciative. Um, not only am I trying to wrap up this first round of tax season, but I'm also trying to read all 880 pages of the CARES Act. The really shittily named Congress what is that? needs to do. What does that stand for again? It stands for like COVID, like C is for COVID, and then it just goes on to match the word cares basically relief economic stimulus or something like i don't there's something wrong with congress that, oh, yeah, that's there's... kind of the understatement of the century isn't it <laughs> but uh, at any rate uh, so there's lots going on um at the moment so your scripts are greatly appreciated absolutely um quick corrections corner or maybe just clarification corner from last week remember um our sole survivor from Flight 255 mm-hmm. was Cecilia, and I couldn't pronounce her last name. Okay. So it was spelled C-I-C-H-A-N and pronounced Sheehan, apparently. Okay, so she's Irish. Oh, you're right. You're probably right. That's yeah. a, yeah, that's like a, like a Schwerche yeah, Ronan or yeah, whatever her they're, name they're, is. Their consonants don't make any <laughs> yeah. sense. They just, they just don't. And um, our, our uh, listener, and that's episode scriptwriter Eric pointed that out so thanks Eric sorry I butchered her name like 10 different name 10 different ways in that episode but at any rate damn Irish oh that wasn't last week hold on that was was week week. before no it was the week before because remember we just recorded this coming week's episode this is going to be oh that's true episode sorry we've recorded the these last episode and this episode in pretty quick succession. We messed up the sole survivor's name on the plane crash. Yes, that was a couple I episodes think, ago. That was 143, episode yeah. 143, I think. 144 was um, the Carlslist fire. Okay. So it was two weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> We're recording ahead of time because we anticipate that David might have to make up some time at work. So. Yes. For allergy-related yes, <laughs> um, working, illnesses. Working outside, which is predominantly what I do mm-hmm. uh, during pollen season, mm-hmm. which is the first time I've ever had to do this. Yeah. Um, and it to go along with it just not raining hardly at all yeah. these past couple weeks to, to yeah. wash some of it, it really just got to me Yeah. on Monday. And I just couldn't. My head just, like I told my doctor, I was like, my head just felt like it was in a vice. Mm-hmm. So, and she advised that you not go back to work until you got it under control so that you yeah. wouldn't end up with like a like bronchitis or some sort of right. infection. So, yeah. <laughs> now that we've thoroughly gone over your medical history yes. the last week. <laughs> um, so, we're taking up yet another listener script, which is fantastic. We've got a nice little treasure trove now of listener scripts. Um, and I wanted to read the email that goes along with this script. Sure. So this is from Deanne. And she said, 
And she she uh, sent this in to us about a month ago. She said, hi, Rachel and David. I discovered all bad things about four months ago, and I am hooked. I've been binged every episode, and after hearing... <laughs> God bless you for binging every episode in four months. Um, and after hearing some of the scripts that other awesome listeners sent in recently, I wanted to try to write one myself. And what better time of year to do it than tax season? Clearly, you, you are... Uh, what is it? Uh, you you may be a young Padawan, but you are learning well. I don't know. <laughs> Padawan is a thing, right? Yeah, it is Isn't a thing. Somebody who's learning. It's a it's a Jedi in training. Okay, well you you you're doing very well in your training, Deanne. It definitely needs some of your banter, but I did what I could. Huh. Well. <laughs> Isn't all of life better with our banter? <laughs> um, I don't know. Guthrichithrin would disagree, as we learned last week. This is kind of a rough story, but it's been one of my favorites. You know what I mean for a long time. Sure. Yes, we do know what you mean. I think it really shows how resilient people can be in the toughest of situations. Let me know if you have any questions or if anything is unclear. Well, I guess we'll have to, I have not pre-read this, so we'll ask. We're just as gonna we roll go. with it. Yeah. <laughs> Hope this is useful. You guys are five star review material in my book, Deanne. Thank you very much. And there's a great PS. If you ever have medical questions, feel free to reach out. Oh. I'm less than a year away from finishing medical school. Another one. Another smarty. How do we get such smart people? I don't, I don't know. Who's probably like really fucking busy right now. Oh, I hope God, she yeah. gets a chance to listen. And could possibly be graduating early. They, they've, yeah, right? they've been doing that with uh, doctors Man. and certain... Like, come on, we just need to get you people well, they're, practicing. They're like, they're like, you've learned enough to mm. to where we need to put you. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, they have been doing that. So I know a little bit about most things, or at least I know how to research the things I don't know. So we have, like, an attorney, a doctor. We've got... We're adding to our smart-ass... Smart... Not smart-ass. Well, we have a lot of smart-asses who listen, too. But, you know, we've got a, we've got a really good crew. And we, have, and we have a, a steady, uh, strong... Uh, uh, working class, yeah, very true. Well. Yeah, well, I so. think I think we have a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life, which mm-hmm. is really cool, and I find uh, really awesome. Uh, also, remember you can join our Facebook group. You just have to answer one question, one question, and you you can just it, it's what's one of your favorite disasters. You, you can just just if you're not sure, just say something. It's okay if so you don't say anything. We're gonna have to turn you down. We're about to find out what the answer to her question to her answer to that question there was. You go, so exactly. This is her favorite, mm-hmm. and and meaning favorite being non-favorite favorite. Right. <laughs> this is the trash man yacht disaster. Okay. By our listener, Deanne. I think I might know what this is, but but go ahead, yes. In October of 1982, is this still sounding? Keep going. Okay. Deborah Scaling was looking for her next job. Now 24 years old, Deborah had loved sailing since she had her first taste at summer camp when she was eight. Since then, she had worked on many yachts. Most notably, she became the first American woman to complete the Whitbread Round the World Race which is apparently a big deal in the yacht world, while working as a cook. She was eager to get back on the water and was happy to meet John Lippeth in Bar Harbor, Maine. John had been hired to captain a 58-foot, or 18-meter, you guys are are so good, yacht called Trashman from South Portland, Maine to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for a transfer. That is a long haul. Yeah, this is not at all what I was thinking of. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. And was seeking a crew for for the six-day voyage. The boat had been named by a Texas native who had made his money off the garbage industry, which I don't know about you, but that kind of sounds mobby to me. Well... Because <laughs> it's like Tony Soprano-ish. I'm in waste management. Well, I mean, fairly or unfairly, that's kind of... Uh, the stereotype. Yeah. I mean, I think there there certainly was a time, Let's let's be honest, like in the turn of last century meaning going into 1900 pretty much all the way up to the 1980s even mid 90s the mob controlled certain things uh-huh. in this country yeah uh labor was was a big one Fair of those enough, things yeah. construction that is they, another one that, that they I had a hand like in a, yeah so yeah. yeah i mean it's it's fair and it's unfair. Mm. I think uh, I think I mentioned this to you, but I don't think I mentioned it on the pod. Apparently, my sister sent me a story of uh, 
how the mob is hurting as a New York mob is hurting as a result. Yes, yeah, so and, and it makes sense why they would be. Yeah. There's no sports no going sports on. No sports books going nope. on. And um, uh, restaurants are shut down. Intimidating businesses because yeah. like, nobody's in nobody's, nobody's Yeah. So I wouldn't mind if uh, COVID-19 took out the mob. That would be a... I mean, it's it's going to kneecap everybody to a certain extent, unless you have tens of millions of dollars Fun in your words. There, yes, kneecap, huh? well, I, I, that's very good. The mob angle. <laughs> yes. Um, plus, I think it is my favorite word to use, like because I remember I used it on um, uh, when Tulsi Gabbard went off on Kamala Harris at that mm-hmm. one debate a long time ago. Like, and that's how a lot of people put it was she kneecapped her that mm-hmm. night. And it's also an ode to uh, the figure skater. Oh, uh, Tanya ton- Harding, uh, yes. Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy yeah. Kerrigan, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So. All right. I would love to cover that one, but unfortunately, that's, that a, is that's a, a crime. There is nothing that's <laughs> so, not a crime about that. Yeah, so we can't do that one. <laughs> Even the hair is a crime in that yes, one. Yes, it is. So. Deborah accepted John's offer to join Trashman's crew. However, as she spoke with other sailors and got to know John better, she heard concerns over his reliability excess alcohol consumption that's a very tactful way to put it and poor reputation amongst other sailors if you have a bad reputation with sailors that's yeah that's yeah exactly (laughs) sailors who already have a bad reputation and you you have a bad reputation amongst them (laughs) that's like saying um people in the underworld really thought he was a piece of shit yeah yeah. if you were to say that it'd be like oh wow how bad do you have to be to have criminals think you're a piece of shit that's i used to watch a lot of those gangland things on history mm-hmm. channel and i think mm-hmm. they have them on netflix too but uh the ms-13 gang hmm. never heard of them. it's uh i can't remember what the ms stands for mm-hmm. but anyway but even like the bloods are the crit in the crypts were like uh-huh. yeah we don't fuck with those guys <laughs> that's not good <laughs> <laughs> when violent gangs are saying no they are too violent for us yeah that's bad that's a problem that's bad but John had a resume that indicated he was an experienced and competent sailor, and so, nevertheless, Trashman sailed a few weeks later with Deborah as the sole experienced crew member. That's, yeah, we can already see where this is heading. John's girlfriend, Meg Mooney, was also along for the ride, but she had no sailing experience and was on the voyage purely for pleasure. That's not... Uh, my, yeah. That's also somebody who's probably never really been on a boat all that much. Yes, like, someone who's just along for the ride. People, yeah. who, people don't really understand how powerful water can be. I do, that's why I stay away from it. Well... It's more fun when you get into it. Just know what your limits are, people. That's all I'm saying. My limits are I will stay Staying on shore. <laughs> That's no fun. <laughs> sure it is. So from Portland, and that's Maine, the three sailed safely to Annapolis, Maryland. So it's just the three of them at that point. I'm, I'm shocked at that. I know, right? They made <laughs> it halfway a, down, basically. That's quite a, that's quite a mm-hmm. trip in itself. And there they added to the crew Bradford, Brad, Kavanaugh, and Mark Adams, an English citizen with a less than savory personality who shared John's habit of overconsuming alcohol. Mm. Deborah was acquainted with Brad and trusted him, so she was excited to have him join the crew. Mark touted some impressive credentials, but Deborah determined these were lies. She called the yacht owner who Mark claimed had hired him and the owner had never heard of Mark. So she mm. she was following up on his references and I'm like, nope. With her doubts about John and new doubts about Mark, Deborah was understandably nervous about the trip. Well, yeah, and you're in this... Also, keep in mind, she's a woman on a small vessel with a bunch of dudes who maybe One other are, woman and three men. Yeah. Two of which are, you know... <laughs> <clears throat> less than savory yeah as as uh well two of them that sounds like DM they're just said. straight up like drunks you know they over consumed alcohol mm-hmm. yes uh I'm using she, the old-fashioned term drunk he's a drunkard <laughs> she confronted john with her concerns and he responded that if she quit he would make sure she'd never crew a yacht again yeah so that's... he was just gonna ruin her reputation yeah. and her ability to work basically in the future that's and this is also 1982 keep in mind so oh yeah but she she might have been able to also call his bluff and be like well seeing as how the person that supposedly hired you has never heard of you no no she confronted john oh that's okay mark okay yeah i've got my marks and john's mixed up that 
<clears throat> John was the one that she told about Mark, and John was like, mm, I don't yeah. give a shit, and keep your mouth shut, basically. Yeah. He is the trash man of trash man yacht, I believe. <laughs> the choice for Deborah was clear. She would sail, but would avoid working with Mark as much as possible. I'm sure that wasn't easy on such a small ship. Uh, and, I mean, a yacht is a big ship, but it's not a... It's close quarters. It's a 58-foot yacht. Still. It's it's not a cruise ship. You're going to constantly be within 58 feet of somebody who you can't stand. There you go. That's exactly right. At the and most, at, at the most, that's how far you'll be apart. Right. And that's only if you're each at the exact <laughs> yes. opposite end of the ship. At the, the bow ship. and the stern. There you go. The crew split duties into four-hour shifts, with Deborah and Brad working as one team and Mark and John as the other. At first, their trip from Maryland was literally smooth sailing. She and Brad were doing the bulk of the work aboard the yacht, while John and Mark (laughs) spent most of their time below deck drinking. Despite this, Deborah remembered feeling carefree and enjoying the trip. As they sailed south, they were about eight hours from the coastline. They were about eight hours. Oh, like if they were to sail inland? Mm -hmm. Okay, I gotcha. What the crew didn't know was that a tropical storm was Mm. brewing and a high-pressure system was also in the area. When these edges of the storm met this high-pressure system, things took a turn. East of Cape Hatteras, Mm -hmm. hey, shout out to NC, winds picked up to 40 knots, which is 46 miles per hour, 74 kilometers per hour. And the waves Not got fun. stronger and larger. No way. Not fucking fun at all. No. Nervous, John woke Deborah, and she perce- and she followed him up to the deck. There, Deborah found Mark at the helm, screaming and laughing. That's okay. really disturbing. So somebody's starting to lose his mind a bit. Somebody's it been like somebody's it. been out to sea too long <laughs> and drank a little mm-hmm. too much. And you don't want somebody drinking and being at the helm of a ship going through a tropical storm. Jeez. Concerned... Amongst other things. Yeah. Especially this. Right? Concerned, Deborah took the helm from him as winds picked up even more to 71 knots, which is 82 miles per hour. Or 131 kilometers per hour. She handed off steering duties to Brad at 4 a.m. and went to examine the boat for damage. She found that key components were badly damaged. Their sails were shredded. I was just going to say, probably, yeah. Antenna gone, anemometer, which I don't know what that is, ripped to pieces, and compass destroyed. I think that is what reads uh, the ocean depth, the anemometer. I think that's what that's called. It's A-N-E-M-O-M-E-T. I think that's what that is. Reads reads depth. Okay. I could be wrong. Well, we'll get a corrections corner. We will. If we are wrong. (laughs) Realizing that the situation was getting out of hand, Captain John had contacted the Coast Guard. Well, thank God. It was like somebody needed to. They recommended... But how their antenna was busted or was it ripped off? What did you say about the antenna? The antenna was gone, yeah. Okay. I wonder how they... Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Because this is, this is 1982 we're talking yeah. about. Maybe they had a satellite phone. Were satellite phones around no, back then? No, no, not 1982. The first cellular phone period, mm-hmm. I want to say, was 84 or 85. Oh, okay. Sat phones didn't really come Maybe into play until beforehand. like beforehand. Uh, Maybe it was before that yeah. happened. Sat phones were like mid 90s, I think, is when the, okay. those came around. So the Coast Guard recommended that he make for port at Wilmington, North Carolina, but conditions made sailing in that direction next to impossible as waves battered the yacht. To add insult to injury, John had lost or failed to pack the navigational charts oh for the God. area. <laughs> and we're uh, talking about off the coast of North Carolina, there are shoals and all, like it's, fucking it's crazy. It's a barrier island, Yes, right? it is. Yep. That's what the Outer Banks are. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're not talking Outer Banks now. We're talking Wilmington. But well, that's still. Where the, Wilmington was where they have to get to. Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting in trouble at they were Cape Hatteras. Hatteras so, yeah. yeah. Uh, just when it seemed like things couldn't get worse, Trashman's engine overheated, leaving the ship's functions running via reserve batteries. John requested rescue from the Coast Guard and was told they would arrive in five hours, and two merchant ships in the area were directed towards Trashman. Deborah fell asleep after this call, thinking the Coast Guard would be there when she woke up in four hours. The ship soon lost its reserve power supply, and with it, their communication system. Jesus. The kiss of death for the yacht was a 
foot or 12 meter wall of water, 40 feet, which slammed into the cabin, shattering the windows. Brad woke oh, Deborah. Shit, my fucking pants! If I ever saw a wave that big, my god. I mean, I've I've definitely seen some maybe like fifteen to twenty footers, and those are scary enough. Brad woke Deborah as water streamed into the cabin. Oh, hell yeah! On the ship, chaos reigned. John was shouting into a non-functioning radio, trying to send a mayday. Sounds like somebody who has overconsumed alcohol would do. And I would think because they've lost their reserve power that it's fucking probably Dark, pitch black uh-huh. on the boat. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing this is mostly happening at night. I, well, I hope uh, so not. They, she had handed off steering duties to Brad at 4 a.m. Oh, yeah. So, so this is during the day. Daybreak is about to come. So hopefully no, they'll no, get No, that some was a while back in the story. So I think it's, okay. it's more like morning time hmm. now. But I mean, fucking. It's not good either way. John was shouting into a not right, so a non-functioning radio, trying to send a mayday. As water rushed in, Deborah made her way to the deck, hoping that help would be there. But there was no Coast Guard rescue and no merchant ships. Brad was able to free a 13-foot or four-meter rubber zodiac dinghy, and Mark was working on freeing the life raft. He was eventually successful, but was unable to hold on to the raft in the turbulent waters. Letting go of the raft meant letting go of all their emergency supplies. Emergency beaconing device, the EPIRB. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a beacon device, right? Yeah, it's what... It's uh, a more modern version. Uh, if anybody remembers back to the Tom Hanks movie, Castaway, mm-hmm. that's why he did get his raft, but the beacon got ripped uh, off of it. So that's why they didn't find him for four years. Oh, gotcha. Uh, also, their food and water makers, Jesus. which water filters type things, I mm-hmm. imagine. In the dinghy, there was nothing. So now in the water, <coughs> Deborah found Meg bloodstained and treading water. She pulled her over to the dinghy and they all d- held on tightly. The five washed, watched as Trashman was engulfed by waves and sank. So now they're just all on this. This is literally turning into the movie Lifeboat by Alfred Hitchcock. Another great film. I'm going to have to get. We watched Shadow of a Doubt. Now we have to watch Lifeboat. Okay. It's really a great piece of filmmaking because the whole thing takes place on a lifeboat. Interesting. Which is pretty um, revolutionary back in the 40s. Mm -hmm. Well, especially when it's a... Um, a bunch of Americans escaping a ship that got sunk by a German U-boat, and then uh, they pull aboard a German soldier. Oh, you were talking about the movie? Yeah. I thought you were no, talking about No, the, no, I'm, no, I was, no. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm like, that'd be another twist to the story. They, they pull, they, German, they pull a aboard a German. Uh, like, where'd you come from? In the water for 40, year, 40 <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah, been living under there. It's Aquaman. It just turned out to be German. Aquanazi. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, when remembering the sinking, Deborah said, quote, it was the most devastatingly lonely feeling I have ever felt in my life, end quote. I would also imagine quite terrifying, at least it would be to me. Yeah. At f- so, <laughs> now we're now we're getting into each of the days aboard oh this God. dinghy. So, day one. At first, the group was distressed, but hopeful. Sure, they were in a tight spot, but they had called the Coast Guard and had been told that two merchant ships were headed their way. So two rescue missions should be on their way, right? That hope began to dwindle as the storm continued to rage. And now they're in this little tiny dinghy. Though they did not know what the currents were carrying the group away, away from the shore and away from the site of the sinking. Even if help came, would they even be able to find five people in a rubber dinghy? For 18 hours, the survivors treaded water. They avoided, oh, they avoided getting into the dinghy to stay warm as the, wa- as the water temperature was in the mid-70s, but the air temperature was only in the 40s, so they were actually warmer in the water than sure. they were out of it. They swam under the dinghy to get out of the wind, share body heat for warmth, and take turns holding one person up via an improvised rigging to let them rest. Well, that's pretty resourceful. Unfortunately, Meg was not able to participate due to her pain and severe claustrophobia, so she remained outside the dinghy in the wind. During their first night adrift, Meg spotted a light in the distance and alerted the others. They were excited. This must be their rescue. 
Unfortunately, the ship was far away and they were only a tiny spot in the dark ocean without any way to signal the boat. It continued on its course and the crew was alone again. Mm. I kind of feel like being on a lifeboat in the middle of the ocean at night is probably up there with my worst nightmares. It's pretty scary. That's terrifying. Yeah. Not as terrifying as being buried alive. That still might be my number one. Yeah, that's, that's up there too. But this is... Uh... If something goes wrong, essentially you are going to be buried alive because fucking nobody's yeah. ever, nobody's ever going to find you. Out. Burial at sea. Yeah. Yeah. So day two. As morning dawned, the group decided they needed to get out of the water and inside the dinghy. So they turned it over and climbed inside. As they helped Meg inside, Deborah and the others noted the extent of her injuries. Meg had been hurt in the escape from the trash man. <laughs> that... It just escaped from Trash Man, but I, I was just like, that kind of sounded like a horror movie. She escaped from the Trash Man. It very very well might be a, a 1950s B-movie, <laughs> like sci- science fiction B-movie. If you open a garbage can lid, look into the into it and say Trash Man three times, the Trash Man appears. Yes, the Trash Man. Uh, Oscar the Grouch will appear. <laughs> the rest of the crew had known to avoid the rigging as they escaped, but with her minimal sailing experience, Meg had no idea. Her leg had been badly cut by wire in the rigging, mm. to the point where Deborah said she could almost see it under the bone. Ugh. As hours passed, her wounds became infected, and over time, mm-hmm. the infection spread to her blood, causing her to become septic. Yeah. Initially, Deborah chose to stay in the water to try to stay warm instead of climbing into the dinghy. Mark did the same. The two had been at odds ever since Deborah discovered his lie about his sailing experience, and the emergency situation had not improved their feelings towards one another. Shocking. Stress makes an already rocky relationship worse. (laughs) So when Mark snapped at Deborah to stop kicking him, she snapped back that she was nowhere near him. After several more complaints Mm. from Mark, she stuck her head under the water to see what was touching him, as she was sure it wasn't her. And she was horrified to see what she called hundreds of sharks swimming all around the dinghy. Likely attracted by the blood from I was just gonna say. open wounds, mm-hmm. the sharks were in search of a meal. Both Deborah and Mark hurried to jump into the boat. Now they were stuck. Like, they can't get out of the boat. Like, <laughs> oh, it's like... And then it, this is reminding me of the Indianapolis, like, a bit. and then the and then the sharks came. Mm. If you're bleeding, they will. Yikes! They can smell that shit for literally miles. Mm-hmm. All right, day three. Mm. At night, the group huddled together on the dinghy to share body heat. Can you imagine having to do that with people that you think are just absolute dicks and douchebags? I also, mean, you're going to do it because you have also to. Also, at, at that point, I think you're just trying to do whatever you can to survive. Oh, I agree. I'm not saying they yeah. shouldn't have. I'm just like, it would just add insult to injury. At that point, I, at that point I, I doubt it matters to them. Mm. I think they're just trying to stay alive. Deborah had the idea of using seaweed for blankets. Oh. And they gathered what they could as it floated past. I guess so. That's it's, not it's a bad idea. A material. Mm-hmm. They had no food, no shelter, and the only water anyone had drunk since the sinking was a small amount of rainwater. They could also potentially use that seaweed as a makeshift bandage, maybe? Mm. I don't know. Probably not. Well, at this point, it's probably too late. A tourniquet yeah. would probably have been their best bet early on, but since they weren't able to catch it, yeah. Well, we should ask Dan. She's a... She would know better than we do. Yeah, she, she, is, <laughs> she is a medical student, almost graduated. So, As morning broke, Meg and John were still hopeful that the Coast Guard would find them. Deborah, realizing how long it had been, informed the rest of the group, the Coast Guard is not coming. This didn't go over great with the others, who were still holding out hope that their rescue party would show up at any second. And they desperately needed a rescue, especially Meg. Her wounds were festering and had filled the bottom of the dinghy with blood and pus. You can tell this was written by a medical person. <laughs> That's not an insult. No, that's great. Um, not the blood and the pus, but you know what I mean. She was getting worse with every hour she spent without medical care. Yeah. The crew were all extremely dehydrated, and after two days, John and Mark oh, couldn't take it anymore. During the night, Brad woke Deborah, and to their horror, they saw both John and Mark 
drinking seawater, which is the worst mm-hmm. thing you can do when you're dehydrated. I was that only make Ugh. it ten times worse. Both of them knew this was bad news, but they were too exhausted to stop the men and went back to sleep, to sleep, figuring that the damage had already been done. Ah, chemistry corner. Here we go. From someone who actually knows chemistry. The problem here isn't the salt, it's the water. Our cells have membranes that keep ions like sodium from flowing freely in and out, while water can easily move through. When you drink salt water, which is about four times saltier than our bodily fluids, water rushes out from the in- from inside of the cell to try and equalize the concentration of sodium on either side of the cell's membrane. I feel like I tried to explain this in the USS Indianapolis and I probably did a really shitty job of it. This is this is an expert <laughs> describing you're, you're it. You're not a doctor. Well, <laughs> I'm no doctor. <laughs> Losing this water makes the cell shrink. On top of that, the body tries to compensate for the extremely high sodium by making urine, but it isn't capable of packing the urine with enough sodium to compensate for how much is in seawater. I just realized the way I... So I'm, as always, watching The Office. And uh, that just reminded me of uh, when Dwight made everybody get a a urinalysis to see who was a drug user because he found half a joint in the parking lot. I do kind of remember that one. And he he was like, it has to be urine. (laughs) It's just funny. Anyway, this is a funny moment. Anyway, so you end up peeing out what little fluid was left in your body without getting rid of much sodium, leaving you more and more dehydrated. This can eventually lead to nausea, weakness, delirium, and even brain death. Well, I think so the delirium don't go drinking is, salt water. I think the delirium is already setting in with these guys. Well, I think the dehydration is causing them mm. to make really poor life choices of two men who are clearly prone to making poor life choices anyway. But Deborah and Brad were awakened by John and Mark talking. The effects of drinking the salt water had taken effect. Oh, this is day four. Had taken effect faster than expected. It had only been about seven hours and all day, John and Mark hallucinated. My guess is if they were heavy drinkers, they were also experiencing bad withdrawal. So they talked about making a run to 7-Eleven for beer and cigarettes, going to the hospital where John's mother worked, and most annoying to the rest of the group, insisted they saw boats and land. So they're just on this little dinghy with two people literally going out of their minds. Mm-hmm. After hours of this, Deborah and Meg, Deborah and Brad were shocked when John got out of the dinghy. Wait, can I? I think I have seen this. Really? From can can I? Can, me do, want to make a guess? Well, does she have a quote on what the guy says when he gets out? I'm I'm curious. Okay, hang on, hang on. Let me let me guess it. What it is? Does he say I needed to stretch my legs? No. Oh, damn it. (laughs) This is another another terrible. Another people stranded on a dinghy with sharks around, and the dude just is losing his mind. He's like, I just need to get out and stretch. And it's it's similar ish though. Okay, so he said he was going to quote go get his car. Okay. Quote so. Suffering from exhaustion and without food or water, the others could only watch as John began to swim away from the raft Mm. to his death, clearly. For a second, they lost sight of him. Then they heard a shrill scream, followed by silence, and a spot in the water turned red with blood. The sharks that had been following the raft had found John. Shocked at the sudden loss of her boyfriend, Meg wept, too dehydrated to make tears as Deborah cried with her. This is going to sound terrible, but being eaten by a shark or killed by a shark that quickly was probably a better end than if he had kept swimming. Then he would have drowned. And mm. I mean, there's there was no good way out of that. <laughs> They're all terrible it's things just, at that it's point. All, all bad things. Uh-huh. <sighs> but Mark had also drank the seawater. He continued to make bizarre statements until he stood up and walked off the dinghy. As the others reminded him of what had just happened to John, Mark floated in the water at the side of the dinghy. Suddenly, he was hit. The sharks were still around and dragged Mark underneath the dinghy, causing it to thrash about in the water. Deborah describes this as, quote, the most horrifying moment in my entire life, end quote. Can you imagine? You're on a boat and right underneath you, the boat's getting jostled because you know someone who was literally just on the boat, voluntarily stepped out of the boat, is being killed by a shark. Mm. 
No, I don't want to imagine. I that. know that's it's horrifying. And and this is all happening just a couple of days after their yacht capsized, which at that moment was probably this is probably the most terrifying thing right? she'd ever been through. <laughs> it's just it's just terrible on top of terrible. It's just, on top yeah, the of hits terrible. just keep coming. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want to say that this is the same story that I saw in like a Discovery. It sounds very familiar because these two guys get out and get eaten by sharks. Okay. Maybe yeah. maybe uh, there are differing accounts of what they said hey, yeah, or something be. like that. The three remaining survivors laid in the bottom of the dinghy and were shocked as the bottom of the dinghy was hit several more times. They feared the sharks were trying to tip it or that the repeated attacks would cause it to deflate. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, leaving them back in the shark-filled water. <clears throat> On top of all of this, Meg was dying. Her injuries were grave to begin with, and after going without intervention for several days, she was beyond help. In what Brad and Deborah interpreted as a moment of rage, frustration, and confusion, Meg attacked Brad, pushing him down onto the bottom of the dinghy. Eventually, she calmed and laid down in Deborah's arms. Some of her last words were, quote, it's time to go. We're there. I'm going home. Wow. God, ugh, this is aw This is like a horror movie. This, this is legit is. like a horror movie. Uh, when Brad and Deborah woke, this is, this is day five. When Brad and Deborah woke the next morning, Meg was dead. Brad remembers thinking about accounts of other sailors lost at sea, who had turned to cannibalism to survive. But he and Deborah agreed that Meg's body was too infected to safely consume. I was going you know to say, what? yeah. Good thinking. That yeah. is not bad thinking. Because one, they didn't rule out the idea just based on cannibalism, which we have already talked about extensively in uh, the Alive episodes, mm -hmm. that there's nothing inherently wrong <clears throat> with that for survival when somebody has died of other causes. Obviously, it's not okay if you kill somebody, period. But um, but that's good thinking that they're like, she was septic. Her blood's infected. We don't want to be eating. It would be infected. Her body is essentially like rotted. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. It would not be good. Ugh. They took off Meg's jewelry in hopes of giving it back to her family. That's a nice idea. After a few prayers, Deborah and Brad pushed Meg's body overboard before going back to sleep to avoid having to watch the sharks devour her remains. This is the only part in her retelling where Deborah became very emotional and was clearly fighting tears. This moment obviously sticks with her. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you can't sit in a little dinghy with a rotting corpse. Like, there was no, no other. Uh, this is a brutal story anyway, so it just got brutaler. Both Brad and Deborah realized if they wanted to continue to live, they would need to clean out the rubber dinghy. Mm -hmm. It had days worth of blood, pus, and urine Ugh. sitting in the bottom, and they both had open sores on their body. Brad pulled on a line to flip the dinghy, but ended up falling off of it backwards into the shark-infested waters. As he struggled to climb back in, Deborah was paralyzed with fear at the idea of being trapped in the dinghy alone if Brad died. Eventually, Brad had a surge of strength and was able to hoist himself back in. Yeah, because those was, things aren't easy to get in. But from he was the water. very angry that Deborah hadn't been able to help him. But she uh, was, I mean, fucking five days without food. I, I turn catatonic when I'm like five hours without food. I can't even imagine. Um, but I can also imagine him being angry because he's also in the same, in the same boat, <laughs> literally. Literally. After five horrifying days, are we ready for this to start? turning for the batter i'm not sure which way it's gonna go <laughs> at this point obviously she's still we alive know she survives that yeah. we know because there's all these accounts from her but after five horrifying days deborah and brad were losing hope and to make matters worse tensions were now running high between the two of them deborah began to talk about catching fish for them to eat to get brad to forgive her for not pulling him out of the water as she rambled on about fishing brad interrupted he saw a ship Deborah didn't believe him at first. After all, Mark and John had talked about the same thing in their saltwater-induced hallucinations. When Brad insisted, she looked too, and there was a ship. Initially, it passed them, and their hearts sunk at the thought of rescue slipping so narrowly from their grasp. But then the ship turned around. They were rescued by the, 1982, remember, Soviet cargo ship, Olenogorsk. And, ha and were taken to a hospital in Moorhead City, North Carolina. We know Moorhead yes, City. Yes, we do. 
The two released a statement saying the Soviet ship's crew were, quote, extremely compassionate and helpful, end quote. I'm, and they must have had to radio in. This is 1982. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they couldn't just pull up to. No. Nope. <laughs> like, like, hey, guys, like, hey, guys, what's going on? I'm just like, checking hey. in. So we're a Russian cargo ship, but look, we got a couple of your people here. <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to know what that conversation was right? like. Because if I'm receiving that call, if I'm a naval officer, my first uh, instinct is, yeah, they're full of shit. Yeah. Like they're trying to bring whatever, who knows what. Yeah. Like, yeah, can we really trust you? We don't yeah. think so. But yeah, this apparently is, they did. This is not... <coughs> I mean, obviously, younger generations don't remember the Cold War at all. I only slightly remember it. It was over by the time I was a preteen. Well, we've covered this period multiple times. But 1982 shit is still... Very bad. Both sides are dug in pretty mm-hmm. pretty deep at this point. Well, at the very least, this crew aboard this particular... That's interesting. Um, ...Soviet ship were willing to help out these couple of Americans. So that's fantastic. In the end... They had drifted 140 miles or 225 oh kilometers from the site of Trashman sinking. They were just, oh my God. It was all over. Deborah had been right about the Coast Guard. They never sent out a rescue team. They mm. stated they received a call that the ship hadn't made it to port successfully. And the source of this call was never determined. Yeah, because there wasn't one. That's my thought, too. Is that... You can't determine something that never happened. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they had been like, look, we never got a call. That would be more believable than, well, we got a call, but then we were told everything was okay. Hmm? Well, and because, I, I mean, the Coast Guard is, to me, of our armed forces, and that's what they are a branch of. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, probably the most um, upright... To put it in those terms, well, because, because it's literally a rescue and for protection. the most part, yes, yeah. for the most part, they're not going and like bombing people. They or... they could if they had to, like yeah, if they this... had to protect the shoreline, they would certainly do that. But they they not, do they do have giant guns on board, it's not typically but their duties. their main missions are generally search and rescue, and mm-hmm. which they do. I mean. I've watched a lot of those Discovery Channel things, too, on how they rescued certain people, like, in the middle of a fucking hurricane, mm-hmm. you know, and... Well, they'll go out and a lot to of those guys, no And a lot of those guys die trying to do yeah. it, too. So that that kind of... That that really kind of shocks me. I, mm-hmm. I hope that what they say is true, but I, I don't think it is. Or somebody was mistaken, maybe. I, yeah. I'm hoping that's what it is. I mean, it could have literally been, like, one bad apple or one person who misunderstood one thing, yeah. So as you might expect, the shipwreck changed Brad and Deborah's lives forever. Yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't just talk sort about, of uh... talk about another in an episode full of understatements. Yeah. <laughs> Some people who knew her say that Deborah would only ever drink half of a glass of water to make sure there was always more to have if needed. Yeah, that uh, yeah. just leaves impressions on your brain that you're not going to get over. Yeah. Deborah would go on to publish a 1994 book entitled Albatross, the true story of a woman's survival at sea. She was initially wary to write the book and especially to accept money for her story after all three of her crewmates had died. She was encouraged by a family friend who told her that sharing her experiences would help many people, which is true. Her book would spawn multiple TV movies, oh, I'm sure, and I'm sure they're this amazing. This must have been one of the ones I saw. Probably. I, I, it has to have been. Um, for example, Two Came Back and Capsized Blood in the Water. And is featured in the first ever episode of the Discovery Channel show, I Shouldn't Be Alive. That must be it. Is yes, it? that's which gotta be Bra- it. Deborah and Brad both recount their memory of the event. And it's, avail- yep. it's available on YouTube, she says, so it's gotta we be can it. look it up and you can see if that's it. Because I, I initially recognized the story from the, the title of the the name of the yacht. I'm like, that sounds familiar for some reason. The Trash Man? Yes. Um, and then I was thinking when it didn't turn out, and then I was thinking, well, maybe I was thinking there was a famous uh, trash barge accident like in New York City. Oh, Like okay. around this same time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, and then when they're like, oh, the guy, because they're they're starting to go delirious, wants to get out and go somewhere. I'm like, 
I've fucking seen this. I'm like, mm. I know I've seen it because then he gets eaten by sharks, and that's okay. and then so does the next guy. Yeah. And yes, that's probably the one I saw. Maybe, yeah. Deborah went on to work as a motivational speaker, married twice, and had two children. And a kicker, she died at age 54 oh. in 2012. Um, Dan doesn't say. Oh. I, I'm guessing. N- she probably would have pointed it out if it was something horrible. 30, 30 like, years worth of stress piled onto each other. Maybe cancer, heart attack, yeah. stroke, any yeah. number of things that can happen. 54 is still... It's uh, relatively it's, young. It is relatively young, but it's also getting into an age where you might be slightly more susceptible to slight weaknesses in the body. Or um, the older you get, the greater your chances of getting cancer, you know, stuff like that. So, unfortunately, I do kind of feel like people who survive terrible tragedies should um like if there was any sort of cosmic justice like be allowed extra on the back end <laughs> like to make up for this but may, and some of those people probably don't want it yeah or i and and you're not you're not wrong stress can be incredibly detrimental to the body we know that we know it is so the mind and the body are connected mm-hmm. from the most recent information i meaning deanna could find Brad still sails and worked as a man- mariner. Works as a mariner. That doesn't necessarily surprise me. Well, a lot of uh, water people are water people. Like right. When sailors you're, are sailors. Right. When you're in that... When you're a jet and a jet, you will stay from your first day. Go right to your last dying day. <laughs> the world's most intimidating street gang. The uh, yeah. Bloods and Crips are scared of the sharks and the jets, <laughs> yeah. man. A bunch of five foot five guys with slick back hair. <laughs> Duck tails and a comb in their pocket. Not to say five foot five guys can't be tough, because I've trust me, I've run a, run across plenty of that are, but you know, just five foot five actor type people. <laughs> actor type people are not very intimidating. At any rate, that was the trash man yacht disaster. Yeah, what a that's uh, what a That's awful. Fucking crazy story. That's and awful. I couldn't. I couldn't have made it. There's no way. I would have been like that guy. Like, I need to go to the store. See ya. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel. You know what? It's one of those things. You never know until you're in a situation no. how you react. You just don't. And you might surprise yourself with how hard you fight. You might surprise yourself with how little you do. You know. Yeah. There's no telling. There's no telling. Um, some of us might find out in these bonkers times uh some what people we are... some people in, well actually i yeah. think uh society as a collective we're gonna find out mm-hmm. in the next couple of months um it'll it'll be worse before it's better i think that's i think that's safe to say but uh you know again we we can we can pull through this in the meantime we're more than happy to be bringing you um other terrible things to distract yeah. you. Yeah. Just think about it. You could have been sailing on a yacht, have it capsized, have all your friends get eaten by sharks, and somehow make it out alive. Would you rather spend five days at home or five days in a dinghy in the middle of the ocean? There you go. Or put it this way. Would you rather spend five months at home or five days in a dinghy in shark-infested waters? I'll still waters? take five months at home. There you go. So that's that's where you have to dig deep when you get bored, when you get... um antsy or snitty or whatever you're feeling it's it it also, doesn't re- invalidate what you're feeling right. but it is important to keep in mind also realize it's normal to feel that way mm-hmm. and it's okay to feel how you feel mm-hmm. and the sooner you recognize and acknowledge that and allow those feelings to happen the better it is and the easier it is to deal with those feelings. Can you tell I've been meditating for 93 straight days? Not no, 94. All. I think today was 94. There you go. Yeah. Can you tell I haven't? <laughs> <laughs> no specific response to that. <laughs> uh, but that was that was very well done, Deanne. Thank you so much. Yes, that was excellent. Yeah. And, and I hope I'm pr- pronouncing we- your name right. It does appear to be Deanne. It- I mean, some people pronounce maybe Deanna or something, but it ends with an E, so yeah. I think, I think Deanne. And for future episodes, now that we know we have a couple of medical people now, uh-huh. if we if we need clarification on something, we <laughs> mm-hmm. may be reaching out to you. We have a lawyer to go to. We have um, a, a a doctor to go to. A future, very fu- near future doctor 
to go to. We've got watchmakers or um, oh, wow. watch repair people. That's pretty tough. Yes, absolutely. That's I actually, Jess. I actually knew a guy that did that. It, yeah, it's it's legit. It was his. Uh, it was a guy I worked with when I was at Clear Channel. That was his mm-hmm. family business. Oh wow, well, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think he actually ultimately wound up going back to it. Mm. But it's yeah, that's when. So when you still see Italy. those. So when you still see those little those little watch shops that are still open, yeah. that's why it's for, a niche specialty. For, yeah, for repair. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And um, we have psychology majors. Uh, Abby's gonna graduate soon. Congratulations, yes. Abby! Sorry that it's not gonna be like a ceremony and all that. And sorry for anyone who is wrapping up a big accomplishment of finishing something in school academically. <clears throat> who is getting deprived of the of your moment? The pl- yeah, you, you like you get you got you get to shine yeah. right, and and that's and you only get it once. Of, yeah, and, and that's then... kind of being taken away from you right now, and that is really shitty. And uh, that's again, that's the thing. Like, it's okay to be bummed. It's okay. It's even okay to feel selfish and petty. Let yourself feel it, and then move on. Like that's okay, and if you try to stifle that stuff, it's like anger, right? If you try to bottle stuff up, it doesn't it doesn't work, and it's not good for you. Let yourself feel it, let yourself sit with it, and let yourself get over it. And also, if you have a PlayStation Four, um, <laughs> you should get The Last of Us and play through that because it makes this seem like nothing. Is that why you've been playing it so much? I think that part might part of partly be the reason why it's like wow it could be because the last of us deals with a a fungus that actually exists Hmm. it it only at at the moment knowingly exists in ants well it doesn't also doesn't turn humans into zombies that's what i'm saying but it's a (laughs) you know the the premise for the game is not unbelievable the premise for the game is a pandemic happens and society Mm -hmm. goes to shit Mm -hmm. and 20 years later, you have to navigate through said society to get somebody to where they need to be. And mm-hmm. it's, it's quite a story. Yes, it it's, is. It's, their, it's the best game, I think, that has ever been made. And um, the acting in it and the writing and everything, it's, that's, it's up there with an with a Academy Award winning film, in my opinion. Did you and Zach finally connect on We haven't yet. Until 20? We haven't yet. He's been playing Modern Warfare and I've been playing The Last of Us. <laughs> So you're both like, oh yeah, we'll play this, we'll play this, and you get well, he's sucked got it into now. your own game. He's got the game now. I've got it. So, so that that is uh, that's that's uh, our new uh, feature, PlayStation Four Corner. <laughs> and for most of you, you're hoping this will be the last time you hear that feature. <laughs> but anyway, oh, uh, so this is a, a little bit of a short one, but I think it's that's fine. okay. Yeah, I think we're allowed. Yeah, I mean the. The only thing I'm really curious of is what happened between the Russians and the Americans when they <laughs> right. communicated with each other. That'd be that'd be interesting to find I'll bet out. One that's day. not easy to find out. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> that information, especially from the the Soviets. Yeah. So that was the Trashman yacht disaster. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. Goodbye, cats and kittens. <laughs>